Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 119, and it's titled, How to Fix a Relationship That Isn't working. Okay. So, you know, we do a lot of episodes that are like how to fix your relationship or something's not working. And then what do you do about it? Right. Um, but what, one of the things that's kind of funny about that now, granted, we have our own personal experience from relationships that didn't work out, but <laughs> in our actual relationship, everything's worked really smoothly. So we don't necessarily, we can't say like, Oh, this is what Celine and I did. Right. Um, but we have special guests on the show today who had kind of a rough start. <laughs> And, uh, and so what they're going to do is they're going to tell us basically about that rough start, the experience they had, and then what they did to fix it, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there, there's going to be a lot of value here for all those people that are in relationships that aren't really going the way you want them to go, but, but you really, for whatever reason, you know, because you love each other, you got kids, whatever it is, like you want to make it work, I, th- I think there's going to be some value here. Ooh, I'm excited about today. We're going to dive into some of the things, some of the story when we were talking off cameras are hilarious. So I'm really hoping they will bring those in. But before we introduce our guests, let's give a big shout out to our sponsors, Power and Mastery. So if you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed, then check out Power and Mastery at powerandmastery.com. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men. Whether you want to have harder, stronger erections, last longer in the bedroom, or increase your sex sexual skills, there is something for you at powerandmastery.com. Today, we have Gabby and Raj Sundra. They have taken their own messy marriage to magical, ooh, from messy to magical, which allows their relationship guidance to be spot on because they've been through it. So Gabby has a master's degrees in education, counseling, and guidance, and 25 years of coaching and teaching experience. Raj is a business consultant focusing on scaling and culture, and he is an avid student of what works and a genius with gamification. Today, they have found it for better love, and their purpose is to use their lives and love to lift themselves and others up by bringing play to accountability. So welcome, Gabby and Raj. Thanks so much for Thank having you. us. Good to see you. Yeah. So you know, b- before we get started, I would like to say that Gab and Raj had us on their show like three years ago, before we even were doing the Love Lab podcast. It was quite a long time ago. And so I just want to say thanks for that, because we were really early on in doing a lot of our sort of media stuff. And you guys had us on, and we had a lot of fun. So we're excited to have you return the favor, have you on our show. So I just wanted to say that. Absolutely. That was so um, delightful and fun. And I can tell, I remember your interview, because my mouth feels similar, that we were smiling and laughing. And I just love that you bring a playful, delighted, positive, empowered um, feeling. Uh, there is, you know, today we're talking about fixing it, but it's not all about fixing it, right? It's, it's, it's about, as we say, bringing play to accountability, as you said in the intro. So thanks for being such a delight to have on our show and be on your show. 
So I want to dive in because the stories are so fun. So first of all, we're going to go like, how did you know that your relationship wasn't working? We remember something about friends and family at your wedding telling you at your wedding that you guys shouldn't be married. But maybe that's not the only story. So uh, maybe share it started before that, right? Yes. <laughs> Who knows? So like, obviously there were some signs here. What were they? Yeah, what were they? Well, the engagement party. <laughs> before the wedding, there was the engagement party. But before, you, you, before, you, you know, like we, we have, uh, I ha we both had our own growth to do. I remember um, after we broke up and tried to get back together, I reached out to different family members on Gabby's side and, you know, just kind of cleaned up the breakup and said that we're working on it again and that they want to talk about it. And her aunt who does relationship work says, you know, I think you got about four more years of growth to do before you're ready to be with Gabby. <laughs> <laughs> Only four? It was more like eight. It was actually more like eight. <laughs> but, you know, there's definitely um, a dynamic of masculine, feminine polarity going on where I hadn't quite stepped into my man yet. And Gabby was really holding on to her strong, powerful uh, woman, both of us in unconscious ways, I think. And um, so there were just a lot of like trip points um, that we kept getting hung up on that caused a lot of friction. Yeah, I needed to learn how to soften in many areas and be nurturing. Whereas when he had a challenging moment, my attitude was more like, get up, you ain't hurt. You're supposed to be the man. Like I'm supposed to be able to fall apart in your arms, not you fall apart in my arms. And over time, I realized I was letting him be human. And eventually I learned, may I share about your dad? Sure. Yeah. Eventually I learned that when he was 12, he lost his dad and nobody grieved. They just coped. And so I met him when he was almost 40 and he was still looking to grieve. He wanted to be comforted. Nobody had ever comforted him. And when I comforted him, when he was having a challenge overnight, those challenges stopped almost. Mm -hmm. And people started saying to me, Gabby, you're so much softer. You're so much softer. I was like, I didn't realize what a hard ass I was. And I think we continue to be that medicine to embrace his softness and my strength, but also have him have deep, deeper access to his strength and me have deeper access to my softness. That's, that's wonderful. So you, you really were diving in right there from the start into polarity stuff. So I would definitely love to ask another question or two about that. But I'm also curious, Raj, so um, you lost your dad when you were very young. I'm curious, um, did you have another male role model in your life? Because 12 is still pretty young. Like there's still a lot of man teaching that needs to happen yeah. there. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, uh, my, my, um, my dad's actual lab partner at MIT, who we were family friends with when we were younger, uh, found out, you know, that my dad had passed and, uh, my mom and him started hanging out. And, uh, four years later, they be, they got married and he's still in my life. In fact, I'm running a company with him now, <laughs> which is an interesting twist, but, um, you know, I don't actually, he, he wasn't like a super strong male presence in my life. He more so when I grew older, he has been a serial entrepreneur and definitely been great there. So, you know, I didn't really have that um, strong male figure. And I think I was sort of stuck in many ways at age 12 emotionally. Um, so through a lot of the different transformational work that we've done, uh, I, I became more and more aware of that. And, a lot, you know, you, you get these friction points in, with your partner and you think it's them. 
<laughs> Very natural. No one has to teach you that. Yeah. Well, so what I love that is so fascinating about this part of the discussion, and actually, this was not a direction that we've mapped out as far as where you know we were going to take this interview. But what I love about it is, is that so much of what you and I teach, Celine, is about this polarity piece mm-hmm. and how important that is to having a thriving, successful relationship. And so we're going to cover a whole lot more later on as this interview goes about what steps you guys took. But just to make the point now, right from the beginning, that one of the big steps that you took was correcting that polarity, right? Where, where Gab, you had to kind of set, kind of like ease back into your feminine a little bit. And Raj, you had to kind of step up into your masculine a little bit. So that that is a huge piece. I just, because it's so important and we talk about it so much, I didn't want us to just pass over that and be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> in one ear out the other. So and not also passing over the messy part is when it started because as you mentioned at the wedding, the day of the wedding, you know, I was all dressed and I went to the side of the room and my dad was waiting for me and my dad said, you know, there is a side door. You don't have to do this. You know, you can leave if you want. <laughs> not a good sign. <laughs> half and just half not, right? But half and just half not. And I said, Dad, I've never been more clear. I was just floating on air that day. I thought I'd have nerves. I had no nerves. I was just delighted. And I was uh, 37 when we got married and he was 40. So for our first marriage. So we both had waited. Um, but the engagement party was really the wake-up call. Yeah. The work we had to do from getting engaged, getting unengaged, getting engaged again, that was definitely an on-off. Ring came on, ring came off. Um, <laughs> arguments in New York where he had to drive home in the middle of the night back to Boston, his family after Christmas, and <clears throat> it was messy. So All right. The day of the engagement party, we would come out, and one of our friends says, I need to talk to you, and he pulls us aside, and we thought he was going to give us a gift or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the gift of awareness. Yeah. It, it, was it was a gift. It was a gift. We were actually at Burning Man. We were having our engagement party at Burning Man. And he pulled us into his RV and sat us down at the table. And he said, I don't think you should do this. <laughs> he said, it looks really messy to me. And that's why I say from messy to magical, because that was the feedback we were getting. We felt this deep intuition But there was so much of our own stuff that we hadn't healed and we kept thinking it was about the other person. And as soon as we realized we chose this and trusted our intuition over our minds, things got a lot better. When you remove blame, that's a good tip. (laughs) Remove blame is a very good first step. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, you've got all these people around you that are telling you guys shouldn't be doing this. And I mean, now we're like 15 years in, so we know you have a successful marriage. But what made you still go through it? You talked about having this intuition, but really, you know, I think when our friends and family tell us you shouldn't do this, I mean, when we're teenagers, it's oftentimes we'll do it because everybody's against it because we know better than all those people with all that experience <laughs> but, that we don't have but you guys were already older in your phase of life so i'm curious like what made you go f- go through it anyway despite all of the advice to the opposite mm-hmm. i'm so glad you picked up on the intuition part did you have something to say i'll say something briefly okay. um you know gabby will talk more to the intuitive part um i've more and more I'm tapped into that. But at the time, I don't think I was. <laughs> but, um, you know, we, when we had that split up time, uh, there's a lot of looking, you know, it's good to have a shift to then get some distance and be able to just kind of look from a different perspective. And um, I just 
got clear that uh, the the life that I wanted to create was going to be created with Gabby, and um, you know anything else was going to sort of pale in comparison. And so I just um, really needed to take myself on. And there's a story about me going to Australia in a moment. We'll talk about that. But <laughs> go ahead, Gabby. Yes. Yeah, speaking of family members, members being involved. Ah, oh, you got me a little teary there, honey. Um, but intuition is a, such a critical factor. So often, couples, you know, they don't come to get support until they really need it, until it's a problem, and then they're in fixing mode. And they say, should I stay or should I go? It's the most common question, right? And I always go back to, you have to trust your gut, your intuition, your body before your mind. My gut, when I was with Raj, it felt like getting into a warm bath. Like I just relaxed and my whole body just uncurled and I could be myself, my slutty self, my silly self, my gross self, my ambitious self, my lazy self. I could be all of it with him. Uh, but then my mind would say, and these are the words that would come to my mind, you've got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> this is the choice I'm making. The emotional messy drama that we're having weekly, the fists thrown in walls, the like, I mean, it was messy. And we really took it on of like, I mean, we weren't violent with each other, but there was some objects thrown and some holes in walls made in the early days. Oh, I seeing a little look of recognition there, maybe. <laughs> no, we've never was, done this. It was, so like, it was oh. a little bit more of an, oh, wow, it got that bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was one particular stairwell that I think got patched up three times. <laughs> and But those were the wake-up calls of like, wow, okay, that's not how we want to handle it. And we could have just said, pull the ejector seat. But instead, we really leaned in. And that was, what, 12 years ago, the last time something like that happened? We did have, we gave up swearing at each other and name calling three years into the relationship. We said, let's just take that off the table as a practice. And it made a big difference. But about uh, when uh, COVID hit, we were about two months into COVID. <laughs> and we got really stressed and tense. And he and I got into an argument and I just yelled, fuck you. And he turned around and said, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And then we said, okay, let's now go 20 years before we do that again. <laughs> okay, okay. So I'm glad we took some time to cover all of that because I think the <laughs> listeners now can get a feel for just how messy this was. <laughs> we're, we're not talking about, oh, you know, there were a few things that weren't working. We had a fight here or there. And look, now everything's great because, you know, a lot of people, they don't relate to that, right? They just go, well, okay, it really wasn't that bad. So, you know, it probably wasn't that hard to fix it. So now we've established it was bad. <laughs> It required a lot of work. <laughs> well, a lot of people see a relationship like yours or else they think, oh, that just happened. You know, it should be easier. That just happens. And I want people to know not to, you know, as they say, you know, beat a dead horse. That's a bad phrase to use. But, but to actually really look at yourself and is there something that needs to grow, whether it's that relationship or the next one. Okay. So <clears throat> then the next obvious question is, what is the first thing that you did to fix all of this, right? So we, we, we've got this mess. You decide to go ahead with it anyway, but you obviously had to do something to get to where you are now. So what, what's the first thing that you guys did that really had an impact? First thing, uh, I think um, um, some imago therapy was one of the biggest because uh, it, while we had both done a lot of transformational work, you know, 
probably 10 years of it. Maybe I, Gabby was a little bit ahead of the curve. Um, we didn't quite grok the concept that uh, our partners trigger our unhealed wounds from the past. And um, there's a lot of blaming going on when your wounds get triggered. It's like, why are you doing that to me? <laughs> you know, if that's like the language in the background, um, like this isn't the right person if that stuff is coming up. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, through Imago, we really got to, to learn kind of this formulation that, um, that we choose people in romantic relationships that trigger our unhealed wounds, but don't have any capacity to heal them. <laughs> and so uh, we just started like owning our shit. Um, <laughs> that's the technical yeah, term, the technical own your shit. Imago <laughs> <laughs> therapy or own your shit, take your choice. <laughs> You know, Gabby asked me when we renewed our vows, uh, I think we both shared, you know, at year 10, what was one of the key things that we've learned. <laughs> and mine was when I'm absolutely sure that I'm right, I know that I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, this is powerful. Okay. okay. Whole, you know, shift of frame of like, wow, I'm bringing that into the equation here. And of course, you know, they're doing something to trigger it. But until I get my side of the street cleaned up, there's nothing really I can do over there relationally because uh, it's just blaming and, and not uh, taking on yourself. So that was one for me, one big thing. That was huge. Yeah, yeah. the elimination of blame. I would say the other and mentioned before, trusting your gut over your mind. And then it's very powerful to choose. We, we chose and we created a container. And when we got married, we meant it. And we created 12 wedding vows, one to focus on each month to keep those wedding vows alive. We, you know, we talk about bringing play to accountability, you said in our, in our intro. And it's all about getting clear on what do we want, not like wait till we don't have what we want and waste our energy on complaining and blaming and creating separation and have practices to say, what is it that you want? What is it that I want? What do we want? And every day, how can we remind ourselves of that and get closer and true up to it? So those, I think, are the big choices is trusting your gut and choosing. I love that you're bringing up like that you chose and you wrote your vows. And it wasn't just like, oh, a lot of people think it has to be spontaneous. And, you know, whether it's with sex or relationship. And if you go into planning, then it's going to take the magic out of it. But what you are really saying is that by taking the time to dream things up and be like, this is how we want to feel. This is the kind of energy we want to cultivate in our relationship and writing it down. You committed to it. You chose to show up every day to this level of energy and commitment. And that's what started, I believe, the transformation probably into making you that person you knew you were or you could be that you weren't quite just yet in that moment. You said yeah. that great word to cultivate, right? We cultivate a couple culture. I like alliterations too. We like being playful. Um, but I love that word because that's what we're doing is really just you know, a culture in a company matters, you know, and a culture in your relationship matters. And you're going to have one one way or the other. For me, I often say my willy-nilly is like a lazy, selfish, bitchy person. <laughs> Left to my own devices, I, that's where I will go. So it's my intention to practice being compassionate, considerate, patient, calm. That doesn't usually happen on its own. <laughs> so yeah, and, Oh, go ahead, Raj. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know... It, maybe I have it wrong, but again, if I think I'm right, maybe I'm not. But um, 
somehow in our culture it it was like decided that if it you know is nice and romantic and easy then that's the right relationship and if it's not that then it's the wrong person but um anything i haven't seen one thing in life that just like the the magic is like that you get introduced to it or the idea comes up but to cultivate anything again going back to that language it takes something um I don't know of anything in life that just happens that we as humans, like nature does it all the time, but we as humans, we don't make things awesome just by circumstance. We actually have to get clear on what we want, transform ourselves to actually live into that. And um, I just, there, there's just this cultural norm that got established that it's like the movies. You meet the person and it's perfect. It shouldn't be this hard is yeah, what we hear all the time. shouldn't be this hard. It, it's all those uh, fairy tale cartoons, right? And I won't say which company's responsible for that. But, <laughs> but, but all these fairy tale cartoons about how two people meet and all of a sudden it's amazing and everything just works out happily ever after forever, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you bring up a good point that... That is unrealistic, and that just because you don't experience that right from the beginning, or at least most people don't, some do, but if you don't, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's all wrong and none of it's going to work, and that as long as you take the time to, one, do the personal work yourself, and two, to invest in the relationship, that you can still have a thriving relationship. And I just want to reiterate one more time, both of you have said the same thing, which is that you really had to do your own personal work. And I really wanted to bring that up for the listeners too, because I think a lot of people, sometimes they get this idea in their head that, well, she needs to fix that thing or, well, yeah, he better figure that out, right? You know, and it's the or idea. Or ultimatum X, Y, Z. Right. And, and it's the idea that, you know, I forget the exact phrase you used, but it was something about, you know, cleaning your own house first or something like that. You know, like you got to work on your end of it all the time. It doesn't mean that they don't have stuff to work on too, (laughs) but you definitely got to work on your own side of things. And Raj, the last thing that I want to say is you mentioned something, uh, actually you said it twice about when you really think that you know that you're right, that's probably when you're not. And (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, so that might sound to some people like, well, he doesn't really trust his intuition or whatever. But what I hear with that really is that anybody that has an open mind should always be questioning even their own beliefs, right? So, and this this goes for anything in, in politics, right? Like we have this crazy politics stuff going on right now. And everyone's like, I'm right. I know what's happening, right? But instead you should be going, I'm pretty sure I think I know what the truth is. But I should be open to the fact that I could be wrong and I should look at both sides of it to, to confirm that I actually am right. And that's kind of what I hear when you, when you say that. When you are 100% sure that you're not even going to look at anything else, that's probably your bias getting in the way there, right? So I yeah. just, Go ahead. Yeah, and, and I, I totally hear you. Are you okay? You no, no, I just had something in my eye. I got it. Thanks for checking out. You're still not crying. <laughs> <laughs> We have this thing where we're watching Carnegie. I'm not crying. Really crying here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been fortunate enough to, and, and somewhat oddly, work with her dad as one of my primary coaches. <laughs> he he was Osho's attorney and has done 40 plus years of every kind of personal work modality. And just one of the things that I've really, you know, his focus is around consciousness and, you know, being able to watch, um, watch your identity. And like the identity is always trying to be right. 
like you know because it's just um it it calms the ego down you know it's it, it reduces fears and things of that nature so um i, I tr- uh, and i am a nine like on the enneagram scale and i i kind of take everyone's perspective into account and i've learned that um i both need to use this tool that we talk about inquiry cures judgment it's like one of the most valuable tools because often when we're right we're judging and it's not like a clean right it's like a judgment and then we're attached to that judgment so i'm always looking for um how can i inquire and just expand my awareness so that what i'm doing is more educated than just driven by my lens of identity in my past yeah that's the relationship mantra we created is inquiry cures judgment so if we find ourselves in the grips of judgment and being right we just say that over and over again to ourselves until we can start asking questions. So tell me why you have that experience. Yeah, and there's a lot to, to be um, experienced or uncovered when you look at when you're sure that you're right. <laughs> there's just a lot more there. So, so thank, thank you for inquiring on that a bit more. It's, a, it's an interesting thing, you know, for men anyway to, to work on for sure. So I want to dive into a few more things around mistakes and what people should stop doing and then what they can do. But before that, we want to do a short uh, break to our listeners to invite them to our program. So if you are a committed couple who is stuck in a rut and just going through the daily motion instead of connecting the way you used to, and you're tired of stale mechanical sex that lacks spontaneity and fun, and you don't want to live a life of average, then Kevin and I would like to invite you to our highly sexed power couple platinum program. If you give us 90 days, we will help you bring the passion back between the sheets and be synced up sexually so that you can thrive with more purpose and passion in life. So go to selinremy.com forward slash passion to hear more about our program. So Gabby and Raj, what would you say are the mistakes to absolutely avoid for our listeners who want to turn their relationship around if they are recognizing themselves right now and they're like, yeah, I've been down this road, this is kind of our relationship. What would you say that they should avoid or stop right away? Well, first, we can start with it stopping the blame, right? So if you just go, we call it a drama-free diet where you stop blaming, shaming, and complaining, and you're not worried about them, you're focusing on yourself. And if you find yourself blaming, shaming, and complaining, then you want to use John Gottman with his magic ratio. And if you've said one negative thing in a complaint, then back up and say five positive things about the very thing you just said something negative about. And research has shown that if you get to three, you're back to neutral where you were before you said the negative thing. But if you say two more, you actually have more intimacy and connection than before you said that nasty thing. So if I hear myself getting, you know, I'm hangry and cranky and I say something nasty, I try and like do a reverse. <laughs> like, okay, you over, you know, go reverse. So that's one is reducing or limiting or eliminating, if you can, the blaming, shaming and complaining. Yeah. Um, could you ask the question again? I just want to make sure. To do or not do. Other mistakes to absolutely avoid, you know, that they shouldn't be doing at this moment. See if they want to turn their relationship around. And it could be things you guys have done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If yeah. you've made any big mistakes, tell the story. <laughs> One thing that a really good tool is not taking the bait, <laughs> call it. Mm. Um, and with that, not coming from trigger. Um Normally, uh, you know, an argument starts when someone says something and it triggers the other person. 
and we get hooked. So like, don't talk to me like that. Yeah, and then their negativity justifies your negativity and it's off to the races. It just like spirals mm-hmm. up or down, depending <laughs> on which way you want to look at it. But, um, you know, anytime that you get triggered, look at why you're getting triggered. There's this um, thing that maybe we learned in uh, the language around it anyway, in landmark of being unfuckable with. And um, probably not since they don't swear, but go ahead. (laughs) uh, You mean unfuckable didn't come from uh, landmark? (laughs) Shocked. (laughs) Uh, But, um, you know, this is the origin of most fiction points is that there's a trigger and then we gauge around the trigger from uh, egoic identified unaware place that's wounded and in survival strategy or did. And that goes absolutely nowhere. And it just keeps building up this plaque, uh, this relationship friction that, you know, Gabby does these great sessions of venting for victory. And what she does is give people the space to clean all that plaque out. Get so the uglies out. <laughs> can be related. I just ran a coaching call with one of my clients and they were upset with each other. And I'm like, hold on here. <laughs> we're totally coming from trigger. We need to clean this up. Like, get clear on what's yours to own and then build what you want. Don't like build from trigger and upset and blame, shame and all that. Can I add yeah. something yeah. to that? So we have another little mantra. I like little memorable mantras because when you're upset, you can't think and I can't think theories or this, that. And so one is uh, create connection before mm-hmm. resolving conflict. Yes. And so often we're trying to resolve conflict from in conflict. And so Raj and I have learned that that isn't very helpful and if we're blaming each other and we're not feeling connected, we're not at our most compassionate or creative, and we're certainly not being as allies in it together. And so we've learned to unhook from that. We call it a so-so moment. This is, I know it doesn't feel good, but it could so easily get so much worse. And I'm of the, like, if you cared, you'd resolve it. And he's more than like, oh my God, I can't even handle how intense you are right now. I need some space. (laughs) And so we've learned through experience of what not to do, of like, you know, you've talked to me about this or him running away and triggering my abandonment issues. So now we've learned to say, okay, we're going to come back to this. Let's go resource ourselves. Let's go get some coaching. Let's go write about it, do whatever we need to do, go take a shower whatever we need to do to get ourselves right and come back as partners. We have a quick phrase, our first tool we ever created called stop, shift, start. So if one, we're arguing and one of us realizes, wait, this isn't who we say we are. We say, I call stop, shift, start. <laughs> kind of like a referee. <laughs> referee a yeah. Like pretend to throw a flag down. I call stop, shift, start. It's, yeah, I've got one baby toe in who we say we are. We're not being that. Will you please take my hand and meet me there? Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the early days, we weren't as good at it. There was a couple times that I said F this before we were still swearing F stop, shift, start, but we don't do that anymore. Now if someone calls stop, shift, start, we stop, shift, start. It's, it's a habit like anything else. Mm-hmm. Swinging a baseball bat takes practice. Yeah. So one of the things that you just mentioned in all of that was that at some point you sought some third party help. So this is a question that comes up with a lot of couples, which is like, you know, should we try to solve this on our own? Should we get help? What is the right point in time to actually seek out that help? Like, should we wait until it's a complete disaster? Should we do it beforehand? So what are your guys' take on that? I mean, obviously you do coaching much like we do. What is your take on like, when is it the right time for somebody to seek third-party help? 
Um, well, I say early and often, you know, I believe, you know, it takes a village. You want to be careful about who you're seeking counsel from. Are you seeking counsel from someone who's just going to agree with you? Like the first time I spent the night at his house and I went to the bathroom and he, he kissed me at the fireplace and I went into the bathroom and called my most promiscuous girlfriend. And I said, <laughs> what should I do? <laughs> I knew exactly what she was going to tell me to do. So we actually have another couple of friends and we have a weekly call with them for 12 weeks on and then four weeks off three times a year where we connect with another couple ongoingly as a practice to check in. We don't like to wait till there's a problem. Um, there's a wonderful couples community called Eden Rising and just a group, you know, they're meeting monthly, they're meeting in live events, but I think um, choose wisely, choose happy couples and do it in relationships. So it could be, you know, have a group, you know, we also have another group where it's three couples we meet with every two weeks, us and two others. So we just have these opportunities to be in healthy conversation ongoing around what's working and what's not working and how we can all help each other and, and be compassionate that it's okay when it's not okay. Mm -hmm. We had Rono and Sierra on our show a while back, but it's... Yeah, um, I can't remember. We'll put the show uh, into the show note, which episode it was, if you are interested in hearing more about uh, what they offer with Eden and some more uh, games and things that they offer for their relationship. Um, but I'm curious now, I want to bring it to the present. And here you are all of these years later, like what, 15 or so years, and you have a thriving relationship. What do your friends and family have to say now? <laughs> <laughs> not only friends and family, we actually get stopped on the street. We had someone stop us, not this year, but stop us and just start writing a song about us on the street. So we went, well, often say that we went from that couple, like, oh, you're going to invite that couple. You don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> like they could just bicker at the dinner table and like, you know, the whole party could just be awkward, right? To <laughs> more of the it couple of what is it about you? We hear that all the time. What is it about you too? Mm. So there's definitely that, that shift. So they've noticed, and that's why we do relationship work because they came to us and said, you need to do this. Look, you need to tell people what you've done. Um, and that we did it. We spoke at a, a friend's wedding at, at a seminar and uh, five different couples spoke and everyone was laughing hysterically when we spoke and we weren't trying to be funny. We were just sharing authentically And from that day forward, people said, you need to bring this out there. So that's what our friends and family are saying. <laughs> I think I had a little uh, story. Um, we're looking for a home right now to buy. And uh, it's funny because we... I found the House Hunters music on my phone and I played in the car. <laughs> but, we want uh, different things. <laughs> because, well, we, I think we Some want the same thing, but we see a possibility in one property or not. And... Uh, Uh, we found one place that Gabby thought had a lot of potential. I thought it needed too much work. And there was a little <laughs> bit of friction there. And, um, you know... So he pulled out his phone. <laughs> well, when I, the, the thing that I'm getting that to funny. is that um, I said that I'd go look at the property again because I couldn't clearly articulate what it was that I didn't like about it. And um, Gabby's mom, you know, we're staying with her parents right now in COVID. And she said you're so sweet with Gabby, you know, that you'll go up there again and look at the property. And, um, you know, I, for me, it was just like, well, it's the right thing to do. <laughs> I mean, but, um, just that her mom sees that in, in our relationship 
um, it's awesome because she can see what's possible, you know, in relationship. And it's certainly a shift from probably how she saw us a decade ago, <laughs> where I'd be like, I'm not fucking going look at that. Was, you're wrong. I'm right. <laughs> so, so if you could give our listeners only one piece of advice to get their relationship working, what would it be? One piece of advice. You can each go. <laughs> okay, one piece. One piece each. Well, since I've said some of my favorites, I'm going to throw in one new one. It's called Bibto. Both is better than one. And it goes back to that Imago idea that you there's some genius in how you choose your partner. You don't understand. And so if you've chosen this person and your gut says yes, then accept that that's a genius choice and your partner is a genius in your life and you're a genius in their life. So when you have opposing perspectives, right, when you have opposing perspectives or seemingly, paradoxically, they seemingly um, opposites to actually consider that there's a synergy, not a compromise available. And we use that as, a, as, a, as an anchor that even when we think it's not true, every time we have an impasse, We say, let's bring Bibto to this. Where's the synergy, not the compromise? And again, that's about dropping being, being right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would say um, that your differences are gold. You know, we get very stuck in what we think is right and how we like to do things. And it's the expansion that you can have as a human being by being in a committed relationship and really looking for the mutual happiness that... Um, It's like being in a personal growth workshop like your entire life. I mean, not in a negative way. Um, <laughs> for some people, that could sound like torture. Like learning lessons that have great life. So if you're paying attention and using them, attention. yeah. So um, yeah, just the whole thing of trigger, look inside. What is there to heal? And get to the point where that's not like as long as it's like a healthy trigger and like someone's not like abusing you or cheating on you. Uh, you know, things that, yeah. Well, I could just say it in two words. Be intentional. Be intentional. Forget the willy-nilly. Just have a practice of being intentional. Then it won't be so hard. If you're both doing your work and being intentional, you build trust, you build muscle and the personal growth in it, and it will get better and better and better. So now we come to our very last question. Can I ask it, Kevin? Oh, you love to ask this question. So yes, please go right ahead. Gabby and Raj, tell us. What is your best sexual talent? Oh, good question for the love lab. About our own or about our beloveds? You can pick. Some couples say about each other, some couples say their own. So let us know before you say it so everybody knows. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to say one about him. And that is that he generates, we call it best ever sexy time, a triple-double, where it's a 10 for intimacy, a 10 for sexiness, and a 10 for technique. I, <laughs> right? Like in basketball, the triple-double, uh -huh, right? Uh -huh. And um, Raj has a commitment. I know this isn't a specific technique, but his technique is to, the, to commit that every 90 days that we have a best-ever sexy time. And just not that you can control that, but that we play, again, the intention that we play the game for that. So we know, like, we need privacy. We need a long period of time. So a few weeks ago, we went and rented a farmhouse for three days and did a little retreat, just the two of us, and had, I mean, we've been together 15 years, and I'm 49 years old, and I had the best orgasm of my life. <laughs> and it, it was like six hours of 
of on and off of, it was all intimacy, but on and off intercourse, twice into the bathtub and out of the bathtub. So I think that is your best trait, honey, is the commitment <laughs> the creation of that game. All best right. ever sexy time. Cool. Uh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would say um, commitment also is Gabby's best uh I thought you were going to say something totally different. Well, maybe I will. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I look at his eyes. Yeah, I think you. I think we're on the same. Path. You can say uh, anything yeah. you want on this show. It's, it's explicit. Yeah. Um, I love that about your show. You guys do explicit better than anybody else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it can come. It can become easy to um, start letting your sex life fade. Uh, for whatever reason, you're too busy, you're upset with your partner, and you're not attracted in that moment, whatever, the timing doesn't work out. Um, but you know, Gabby is relentless that this part of our relationship is awesome. And she gets all these card decks, uh, you know, there's this sex Jenga thing that we she We play bought. games, right? <laughs> um, you know, she's always finding and creating and playing with uh, making our sex life awesome. So, I like to say points uh, for props. I guess <laughs> points for props. We play with toys and props. And I don't know if I feel comfortable saying that. Oh, come on, say it. Come on. She gives awesome blowjobs. <laughs> I, I knew it. I was That's waiting awesome. for it. So does Celine. <laughs> And frequently. <laughs> he had that look in his eyes. It's like it said. <laughs> I could see it too. Gavi right. and Raj, this has been awesome. Can you tell our listeners where they can find more of you and more about you? Absolutely. In the past, you may have known us as Relationship Fun and Games, but you can look for us now at forbetter.love. And actually, there's a URL specifically for your audience here, for better.love backslash love lab. And we're just delighted to have a, free, a few free goodies for you as well there. Ooh. So make sure you go and check it out. And the link is in the description below. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. Thanks, Gabby Raj, for being on the show. And we will see everybody next week. Thanks so much awesome. for having Thank us. So Delight as usual. <laughs> We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing. <laughs>